Quarantine life, quarantine life. That's, the, that's where we're at right now, isn't it? I just wanted to say welcome to everybody right now that's uh, watching online, wherever you're at, bedroom, front room, kitchen, living room, outside, on a lake, uh, wherever it is that you're watching right now, I want to welcome you here today. We start a new series called Why, and really what we're going to try and do is answer some questions during this series that are just basically wise. Today, I've just got three teachings I want you to learn, and then we're going to play three songs. Each of the teachings is only going to take five to eight minutes. Each of the songs is going to take five to eight minutes as well. But here's kind of the hope. While we're in quarantine, God's not. He's everywhere. He's still where he's at. He's still doing the same things he's doing. And while our movement may be restricted or there might be some places that we can't go, God can go everywhere. So all week I was thinking about that, and I'm thinking, you know what, God, here's my prayer again, that when we gather together online, as a family, as a group, in your homes with whoever you're with, whether you're alone or with other people, that uh, God would enter your heart, enter your mind, enter your soul, and say, look, this is for you. I want you to listen today. And it's weird how God does that. When we gather together, whether it's in the building or it's outside the building in your homes, and we pull down some walls, God touches our hearts. So to the tech team that's here in the room, to some of a couple other guests that are here, to uh, Herc and Josh, I hope that God does the same thing for you. Three teachings, three songs, and uh, then we'll be done. And hopefully you'll have a little bit more peace and joy and hope when we get done with this. I'll tell you first off, I was in a batting cage. You know the batting cages that you see at the uh, game places. And I was in a batting cage the last time about 10 years ago. And uh, I put on the speed and I go to hit the ball. And I realize that as I'm swinging... I feel like I'm like a gate, like I'm tight. Meaning, I, in my mind, I'm mentally back to when I was 16, swinging the bat. So this ball speed, there's guys that were hitting it before me that were young guys, looked like they played some kind of athletic baseball somewhere. And uh, they were hitting the ball easy. I said, so I should be able to get in and do this. And I'm swinging, and every pitch is just going right by me. And it was so frustrating that in my mind, it, there came to a point where I said to myself, after swinging and missing eight times, the only way I thought I could hit it is to bunt it. And so I'm in a batting cage, and for my ninth pitch, I bunted the ball in a batting cage, just to say I hit it. But here's kind of what happened. I realized that my body wasn't as quick, my hand-eye coordination wasn't the same, and I was not going to be able to hit this baseball at that speed. Therefore, what all of a sudden set in was, I became hopeless at that point. Totally hopeless. So you know what I did? I quit. Those 10 balls or 12, whatever many they gave, I remember it. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And people said, ah, oh, get in there. You can try it again, Tom. You'll be able to do it. I said, no. And I knew it was hopeless. So I quit. That's what, that's what happens when things are hopeless. Have you ever had a screw or a bolt that's rusted on something and you're, you're trying to un, 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 unloosen it and trying to get rid of it and you, and you just can't, no matter what you've done, no matter what you used, you just can't? And then you get to the point where you realize, this is hopeless. I'm not going to be able to reach that. I'm not going to be able to move it. I don't have the torque for it, the turn for it. And when it becomes hopeless, what do you do? You quit. You quit. See, what we realize from just those two little stories is, and I don't tell you anything you don't already know, you know this, is that if you lose hope, what you end up doing is you quit. So hope is a very, very powerful thing. Hope's a very powerful thing. Here's a couple quotes for you. This one's from Martin Luther King about hope. He says, 
We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. We must accept those temporary disappointments that are, that are there, but we never lose infinite hope. He never wants to lose hope. Here's another quote. A whole library of problems never equals one little book of hope. In other words, no matter how big your problems are, if you have hope, it's bigger than all those problems. Hope is that huge. Here's a third one. Impossibility goes away as hope grows. See, just as much as, much as when you're hopeless, you quit, impossibility goes away as hope grows. So the why, one of the why questions I have is, is one of the three things that God says are the three things that will remain will be faith, hope, and love. So why is hope such a big deal? It keeps us from quitting. It makes the impossible possible in the right situation. So we're going to read just a little verse of Scripture. I'm going to tell you a little story. Then we're going to sing a song. And it's just my guess. Maybe you're here watching for the first time. Maybe you said, you know what, I got roped into this. Or maybe it's a safe place for you to check out church for the first time in a long time. You could do this in your, in your room, wherever you're at, your car, your office. And I, I'm just going to suggest to you that maybe, just maybe, God wants you to hear this today. Who knows how he's going to use COVID-19 to reach some of us that would never walk through the doors of a church. But here's this writing from Peter that we read 2,000 years ago. Peter was an apostle of God, of Jesus. Followed Jesus closely and was a good friend. And this reading that we're going to read is found in 1 Peter uh, 3. But before I read it, I want to give you just a little bit of background on it. This was written in Rome around the year they believe 60 to 65 AD. And the church, meaning the followers of Jesus, were under great persecution by that time. The Roman government and under Emperor Nero hated Christians. None of them would bow down and worship Caesar. They said, we have one God and one God only, and it's not Caesar. So Emperor Nero started to uh, persecute the Christians. And uh, Peter is in Rome at this time writing this. In fact, a little bit more history for you. It's believed that Peter never gets out of Rome. It's believed here is where he meets his death, that he's, he's martyred for Christ. So this might have been one of his last letters to go to people uh, who had put their faith in Jesus that were being persecuted and scattered throughout all the Asia Minor region. Here's what he writes. With that backdrop, everything's going against them. Everything's lined up against them. Uh, things are, are, are harsh. And he writes this in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Now just stop for a second. I remember when I read this, I'm thinking, a living hope. That's so good. The living hope we know is Jesus, that he's alive, he rose from the grave. But the living hope is something, it's powerful and real, and it's alive in us for today. Not only is it alive in Jesus that he's the living hope, but we have a hope that's living, that's active, that can be applied in situation after situation. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, and we go from there, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade, 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And I love this line. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to had to have suffered grief in all kinds of trials. In other words, Peter is at the end. He knows he's being persecuted, hunted down, things aren't going his way, culture's against him, uh, he's still standing up for Christ. And he writes this, he says, but, but rejoice. There's a living hope. There's a real hope. Not just Jesus, the living hope, but we have a hope that in spite of the circumstances, there's a God who's for us that can do greater things. And you might have to suffer for a little while, but rejoice in this living hope. So the question I want to ask you is, how's your hope? Uh, two years ago, roughly two and a half years ago, my mom came down with an illness. And uh, the illness eventually took her life. Uh, but she struggled with this for about two years. And it was, the illness was so, so severe that for two years she went through intense pain. Every day she would uh, have cramps that would uh, affect all different muscles throughout her body as her muscles were shutting down and internally getting poisoned by this disease. And she'd have cramps that would last at times for an hour to two hours. And think about that. Think about when you've had a cramp in, in your toe or wherever it was in your calf and it lasted for you know a minute or two. My mom had this for a couple hours. And then it would follow uh, by vomiting, and she would just vomit up anything that was in her. So she grew increasingly weak over this process of two years. Then I thought to myself, when I first heard about it, and um, my mom had it, my mom's always prayer was, by the way, that she didn't want to suffer when she died. She just wanted to go to bed, all of a sudden wake up and, and be with God. So this was the opposite. In fact, one of the doctors said, this is one of the most painful ways that you can pass this was the opposite. So I remember thinking about hope at that time period. And I remember uh, specifically saying to myself, okay, God, this with my mom, I either have, if she passes, the hope of heaven through the living hope of Jesus, or I have the hope that God is doing the work in my heart, the family's heart, my dad's heart, to have them learn to love more, to be more kind, more forgiving, learn more patience. But I said, God, I'm gonna put my face in, in your living hope, whether my mom passes or whether my mom lives through this. And I'm gonna rejoice through this. For about two years, my mom did that. Now, it was funny, because Herc mentioned to me, I guess two months ago, that struck with me. I kinda knew what I was gonna talk about around this time period for this series. He said, hey, Tom, did you know that, you know, we talked about mom and how she suffered for two years. And he said, did you know that that was brought out the best in our dad? My dad and my mom had a, had a good relationship, but they really weren't talkative to one another. And at times in the homes, they loved each other, but at times she'd be in one room and he'd be in another. And you couldn't really see those visible symbols of love. My dad for two years loved my mom incredibly through it, would just rub her back the whole time she'd be moaning in bed with this cramps. And I saw just a great love. And it was just crazy how it changed that. Then I saw my mom 
become the strongest person that I knew in the weakness of her life. She pushed through this thing for two years, and I don't know how. All because I, and yet could rejoice in this and, and see how we learn to love more through it and, and, and have hope. And because of hope, the power of hope. Even though she had this doctor's description that says you're going to die from this, it didn't take away hope. The words of Paul wrote this. May the God of hope, the God of hope, he writes, fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what doctor report. I don't know what financial situation. I don't know what mortgage payments you have. I don't know uh, if you're worried about your kids missing stuff. I don't know what all that is, but I can tell you this. We have a God of a living hope. It's alive with us. This hope is, is not something weak. We can hope in our God and trust that he's doing things that we can't see and that he's good and he's right and he's wise. And that hope can have you overflow with the joy and a peace that is beyond understanding. Why hope? Because when God gives it, the circumstances can't overshadow it. Let's go to God in prayer. Then we're gonna sing a song together. God, I just thank you that you're a living hope. That Jesus, you're alive and you're with us. And that when we go through things and times, that hope is active and, and it's living. And whoever's here to hear this, this segment of this message right now, I pray that they thank you for hope. They not lose it. They don't quit. Father, there's, there's a time where I can't physically do things, but there's a time where you never cannot do anything. You can, and we trust you for that. God, we thank you. And now we praise you for this song we're going to sing. May these words of living hope become more real to us over the next few minutes. Amen. Let's sing this song. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could find such boundless grace, the God of ages, stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken. 
grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. You that moment just for you. Now in the second section, uh, I want to ask, tell you something that uh, people have asked me. What are you most proud of about the church? I get to ask that, that question actually more often than you'd think. And there's three things that, that I thought about uh, why I'm proud of the church. Not just Oak Ridge, but the church worldwide, meaning the big C. But specifically, I, I, I'll say this. I like one thing, the first thing I'm proud of the church, and there's three reasons, is I like that we sing to God. We praise God. I like that when we come in, we're a church that sings and praises God. I think he's worthy of it. I think it's right. I like it when I go down to the children's area. It's my favorite time. And I hear them singing to God. I like it when I hear a three-year-old singing to God. I love it when I come in for student worship and we're singing and praising God. I love the fact and I'm proudest of the church when we're praising God. It's right, it's pure, and oftentimes I've said this before, it's when I believe we're closest to heaven on earth. It's not about us, it's about him. And it's the right time, that's number one. The second thing is why I'm proud of the church. It's when we're loving one another. When we're loving another because, when we're, one, when we're loving one another because of something we've learned about God's word. Meaning, when we get past something in our marriage that God wants us to get past that his word freed us from doing. I love that. I love it when it inspires generosity. I've had people come to church that have been as, as stingy as you can imagine. And they become generous. They're the people that you, you, you would then come back and ask them for anything. They'd give you the proverbial shirt off their back. I love the fact that it teaches generosity that we learn to love each other more. I love the fact that we can learn to apply grace to one another. In my own marriages, as we've gone through seasons of marriage, I cannot tell you 
how much the church, God's word, has helped me a love. Forgive. Say I'm sorry. Break down a wall of pride. I just love that. I love the fact that it helps us love one another more. I love the fact that it gives us the ability to forgive. I love the fact that it gives us to be, the ability to be vulnerable. We do have a statement at this church. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay to say you're busted, you're going through some tough times. But God wants us to move through that and pass that and learn from it and grow in it or help somebody with it. To learn to love each other more, I love that. And the third thing is this. I love it when I'm doing a funeral or I hear somebody that has been at our church or gone to our church and they've passed and they've died. Not hearing that part of it, obviously. But I love the fact that we, I hear that we shined a light on Jesus for them. That as a church, they could take their step from this earth right into God in heaven with him. I love the fact that that's what the church does. Somebody said well, when this COVID-19 started that this is the time for the church to shine. And in my mind, I, I, I couldn't get out of that in my mind because I'm thinking this is not the time for the church to shine. All the time is the time for the church to shine. All the time it's right to praise God. All the time it's right to learn to love one another through his scripture and through the power of his word and his Holy Spirit. All the time we could share Jesus with people because we don't know what our last time is. I love that fact. I love the fact that my mom and dad, because of a, a church that taught about Jesus, that I, I'm going to see them again, that my mom's not struggling with pain anymore. I love the fact. I love the fact that when I've heard some of you have told me stories about children that you've lost or that never made it out of the womb, that someday you'll see them again because of the mighty work of Jesus Christ. I love that we're the light that Jesus has called us to be in this world. And yeah, you're right, this is the time for us to shine, but only to point people as we always should be towards the love, truth, and grace of Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. John 1.12 Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Somebody you know needs to understand that. That's faith in Christ. We're going to sing a line from this next song in just a moment. And it's my favorite line in the song. And while you're singing it at home or listening to it at home, I'll be singing it here. And when this comes up, I'll be pumping my fist here up in the air. Here's the line. And the church of Christ was born. Then the spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, the hope that we have, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That we continue to shine. Why the church? Because it allows us to praise God. 
Why the church? Because it allows us to love people more and more. Why the church? Because it opens the gates of heaven through the truth of Jesus Christ and people that can accept that. Let's go to God in prayer and then let's sing the song King of Kings right afterwards. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you can do immeasurably more than we ask and it goes further, God, than we even imagine. God, can you touch our minds? Can you expand our thoughts? and come to you in hope of a life that, that reflects you more, that helps us grow in you more, that's more powerful in your truth, your grace, your love, your hope, your forgiveness. God, I pray that for all of us. And we sing this song to you. And may you touch our hearts as we sing the words or listen to the words. God, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this song together.
and amen to that. So what do we do during quarantine time, during COVID-19 time? Just a quick summary. I said, put your living hope in God. It's active, it's powerful, it's real. It can keep you from quitting. It can give you perspective. And then praise God for Jesus, the King of Kings. And continue to praise God. And then the third one is something I don't think many people have thought about. And you'd ask, well, why is this so powerful? And the third thing is, I'm gonna, before I tell you it, I'm going to tell you a story about it. But it's kind of wrapped around this. What do you do when you've, you've put your hope in God, you've, you've praised Jesus, but there's nothing more that you can really do? And that issue, that problem, whatever it is, is there. What do you do? What do you, where, where do you go to? What, what, what's the option? This story, I think, helps. And just to backtrack a little bit, this is exactly what I did with my mom when I said that I had hope either in heaven or hope that God was going to use this somehow to touch and grow a heart. This is what I did. And this is right. And I think this is for many of you today. This, so if you've got somebody that's falling asleep, wake them up. If they're in the kitchen getting ready to make breakfast, come in here and say, just pay attention for this next few moments and hear this story. The story is about um, Moses and Pharaoh. And uh, we're at the end of this kind of epic journey that you guys have heard about. And Moses has gone to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he said, look, you got to let my people go. He said, God's told me to let the people go. Then you kind of know the story. I don't need to go into it all. And there are a bunch of plagues that came down into the people of Egypt because Pharaoh's heart got hardened and he wouldn't let the people go. There were gnats and flies that came and frogs that came and water that, that turned into blood. Just, it was just a mess, a total mess. And each time... God showed mercy, meaning gave Pharaoh and, and, and the, the leaders of Egypt the chance to let the Israelites move and leave. And each time, he, uh, Pharaoh said no. So finally, it got so bad that God said, okay, here's what's going to happen. The firstborn male, animal or, or human, in all of Egypt is going to die on this night. Unless there's this blood over the doorpost, which we call the Passover, of the lamb. So the Egyptians, the people of Pharaoh, they weren't going to do this. Because sure enough, that night came and uh, the firstborn male, the Pharaoh's firstborn son, who would have been his heir, he died. And the first, it says in scripture that there wasn't a home that didn't experience death in Egypt during that time period, not one home. So now the people of Egypt were broken at this point and Pharaoh was broken. And he says, um, he, he tells Moses, leave, take the people and go now. You can go after this, this time if God had tried to reach them over and over again. And in fact, a little note is, is that it said that uh, the Israelites asked the Egyptians for all their gold and silver. So not only did they leave, but they took all the, the wealth of Egypt with them as they went out to, to find this new promised land. Well, so they're on their journey, and, and we think there's about, it says this, there's 600,000 men, 600, men that are leaving Israel. So we'd add women and children, so it's probably a million five, two million people that have moved out of Egypt into this unknown land. Well, after they've been gone for just a little while, Pharaoh's heart gets hardened again. And you can imagine him, and all the men of, of, of Egypt, all the, the, the soldiers of Egypt, saying, our children have died They've left. They took all of our, our wealth with them. 
the land and the crops and the animals are decimated. And you can imagine revenge and anger starting to well up in them. So it says they chased after the Israelites. They went after them with all the chariots, with the horses that were left, with the anger of an entire uh, group of people led by Pharaoh. And uh, so the Israelites, trying to move a million plus people, got backed up. They saw the armies coming. I'm sure they could see the dust of the chariots. They see them coming and they get backed up to where they're against this sea. And there is no place for them to go. See, they can't go back to Egypt because that's a death sentence. There was not going to be any mercy shown by the Egyptians. Not at this point. And they couldn't go into the sea. Otherwise, they would drown. So it was hopeless. Well, when there's no hope, what do you normally do? You quit. You quit, don't you? When I didn't think I could hit the baseball, I quit. When you think you can't get the nut off the, the bolts because it's rusty, you quit. When it's hopeless, you quit. Their thought was to quit. That would have been my thought, except Moses reminded them of something that they could do. Something that you wouldn't think about. Well, where do I go get on a boat? What do we make? Here's what Moses said. Unbelievably, we have this text of what he said in Exodus 14, 14. This small little one sentence is what he said. Now, before it goes on the screen, before you read it, this is what God is saying to many of you right now. You don't know what to do. You can't do anything. You're in a spot right now where, where you, you're, you're, you have hope in God. You're praising God. But what do you do right now? What is it you're supposed to do? And here's exactly what I would suggest to you before we close with this last song. Exodus 14, 14. This is what Moses said to the Israelite people who were saying, we're lost, it's hopeless, we're done. Here's what they said. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That would have been the last thing I'd have thought about at that point. To be still. When I realized that there was nothing I could do for my mom, she was going to die a painful death. I could be still. And I could say, God, it's yours. My hope is in you whether it's in her death or whether it's in her life, whether it's in her pain or whether it's in her joy. My hope is in you. And in those moments of stillness, you find hope. There's a God that speaks into you, that says COVID-19 or whatever you're going through, a busted relationship, is not bigger than God. And God can work when you can't see. I was most proud of my dad for the 60 years I've been with him, most proud of him, in the last two years of his basic life when he took care of my mom. Who would have, I mean, that's God. So be still, be still. The Israelite nation became still. And God said, I'm gonna do something. He made a way when it was hopeless. He pulled back the water. Nobody would have thought of this. Nobody would have thought it possible. But he knew there were options. Pulled back the water. And he said, now that you've been still and you've watched, now move and walk through it. 
And he did. And the Egyptians followed afterwards. And you know the story. It didn't go well for them. But it did go well for Israel. I'm asking you to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God, we come to you and we thank you and we praise you. And, and in the quiet of a room, this room with just a couple people here, in the quiet of the room where whoever's watching or the noise of the children running around, help us to be still in whatever situation we're facing right now. And help us to understand that you are our hope. You are bigger than the hopelessness that we believe we face. Father, help us to give it to you. And help this song be an anthem that leads us in through this time period. God, we praise you. We praise you that you are our defender. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please sing along with this song.
All I did was praise. We did that this morning, didn't we? All I need to do is worship. Worship the one who sent his son for us. Lord, I just will bow down. And I'm just going to stay still. Maybe that's the best thing we can do right now for a time period. To be still. There's three takeaways you should have from today. Three takeaways. First one is, put your living hope in the Lord. It's powerful. Put your living hope in the Lord. He can pull back the seas. He can do things we can't, we can never anticipate or even comprehend. Put your living hope in the Lord. Second thing, praise him for Jesus and the church. The second takeaway. Praise him for Jesus and the church. And then the third takeaway, there's a time to be still before him and to let him work. Put your living hope in the Lord. Praise him for Jesus and the church. And then there's a time to still be still before him and let him work. That's when hope enters the picture. That's when your life becomes much more powerful and there's much more peace and joy in it. It's possible for all of us. I'm going to close with this. Final verse of scripture, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that's the power of hope. God, we thank you. Next week, part two of why. Bring your canned goods up here during the week. Hope you have a good week. We'll be praying for you. See you next time.